From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. A number of adult mental health presentations have been found to actually emerge in childhood and adolescence, with research showing that about half of all conditions emerge by the age of 14. To better target this issue, the government has recently released a national children's mental health and wellbeing strategy. It's the first national approach in Australia for mental health and suicide prevention, which targets the well-being of children. But treating mental illness in paediatric patients is complicated and often takes buy-in from the child's family and support network. This episode, we're joined by Associate Professor Jay Cheen from the School of Psychology at Deakin University to talk about the new national strategy and empowering treatment pathways for younger patients. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So could you tell us a little bit more about the emergence of mental illness in childhood and why Australia needs to take a better look at the importance of this? As you mentioned, a significant proportion of adult mental health issues are identified before the age of 14. Uh, This might be seen in challenges in the young person's mood, their behaviour or their social relationships. And it really highlights the importance of early intervention for these young people The hope is that by trying to support them early, we might be able to manage or even to reduce the prevalence of adult mental health concerns later in life. And could you tell us a little bit more about the National Mental Health Strategy? I believe that it focuses on four areas to improve Australian children's mental health and wellbeing. And why is there such a big focus in that plan for families to play a role? Because children's lives don't occur in a vacuum, their challenges but also their strengths are heavily influenced by the different domains and systems around them. So by supporting that system, whether it be the school, the parents or others in their environment, the hope is that we can better support these young people to have better outcomes. And so what are some of the practical measures about how you know, health professionals can actually go about that, say from the moment that a child presents to their GP to seek care with their parents? One of the things that I'd be doing often is normalising family involvement in young people's support, uh, you know, and highlighting again that they are such an important system for that young person. I'd also be very mindful about any messages that might imply judgment. You know, parents can obviously be sensitised and, you know, potentially feel judged if they're bringing a young person in for mental health support and, you know, being really mindful of the messages that we send can help to sort of engage them in the process. And then I guess finally thinking about ways that we can empower the parents to act, you know, saying that they've done a great job for identifying these concerns that, you know, we want to work together to actually help them to have uh, a better outcome and to hopefully support the young person. For anyone who hasn't read the National Healthcare Plan, would you mind just describing a little bit about the themes that it touches on? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, there are four main themes and one of those themes, the first aspect of the strategy relates to focusing on families and empowering them to support their children's wellbeing at home This might range from strategies such as psychoeducation and providing better community resources so that 
children can access supports before we actually even get into that domain of what we call mental illness. So at that point, perhaps where children's well-being is affected, but they're not mentally ill. The second part of the strategy highlights the gaps in the mental health system that exist currently and talks about ways for services to better support their families. Uh, having worked in child and adolescent mental health for nearly 20 years, I could certainly suggest to you that even people in the system at times can struggle to find the right resources at the right time. And so providing support and clarity around the best streams to engage in and essentially trying to have a no wrong door policy that no matter where you go, you're going to have access to support or be referred to the right people. Um, that certainly seems a really important aspect of this strategy. The third aspect talks about the important role that schools play in supporting wellbeing and mental health in children. Obviously, there are educational shifts, certainly from the time that I was in school, where schools now be now focus on wellbeing. Uh, you know, back when I started my career, I would often have to teach children how to engage in relaxation, deep breathing, imagery. Nowadays, most children come to therapy equipped with these skills, having done them at school. So certainly, there's a greater wellbeing focus in schools and consideration about how we can further enhance and support that. And finally, the strategy emphasizes the importance of evidence-based practice. And this is where we look at research evidence around the treatments that we use with young people to ensure that the treatments that we're delivering don't just sound good, but are actually effective and safe and supportive. That's really interesting to hear that education has changed so much where children uh, have a little bit more agency now when they come into the system to seek treatment. But one ongoing issue, I guess, in Australia is that adults often don't have access to adequate mental health services. And you've just touched on that this is often the same case for children. What does that look like currently in Australia in terms of access? Look, I would certainly suggest to you that at the moment, in the midst of a pandemic, things in the mental health system are probably at the worst that I've seen uh, since the start of my career. I think that it's fantastic when we hear initiatives and you know launches and you know more money being invested in these systems. But the reality is that when that money is introduced, we still need to bring in staff and we still need to put those supports in place. And so the translation to actual patient beds or open patient caseloads can take a little while. So at the moment, I'd suggest to you that the system is fairly stretched and we're all working very hard to do the best that we can. But I think that by supporting families to support children at home, we can hopefully get some better outcomes and not just rely on that more acute mental health system. And is it also hard to find appropriate local services for families who have children with quite specific needs? Look, it certainly can do. And I think that one of the challenges that you'll often um, sort of hear when people come into my office is it's taken me a really long time to find you or it's taken me a really long time to find my group of people. So one of the things that I would be saying to families is firstly, talk to people in your community, you know, ask them, 
Do they know any psychologists, speech therapists, occupational therapists? Do they know people in their own support systems that they recommend? Don't give up because those supports and systems are out there. And I do think that there are a number of people that are really committed to children's mental health and well-being. And so we want to make sure that they're having access to those systems. So please don't give up. Please keep asking. There are amazing resources on the internet now that also help you to find supports. There are health search engines that help you to find private practitioners. There are local community agencies and, of course, your local headspace and early-in-life child and mental health services that, even if they're not the right place, can certainly provide support and advice about where you might go. And you've touched on it a little bit earlier about the role that Australian schools can play in supporting wellbeing. It certainly wasn't a thing when I was at school, so it's positive to hear that there's systems being introduced. But what is the role, do you think, of Australian schools in supporting wellbeing and mental health and what's the extent of that? As I've highlighted in my article, I think that the schools do an amazing job with sometimes scarce resources at supporting young people in their education. I would imagine that there are times when it would might feel that focusing on wellbeing, in addition to that, uh, you know, might be quite a considerable stretch. But I think that the strategy is very much focusing on how can we put the right people in place to help schools to do this? How do we put the right resources in place? Not just adding a new expectation with current existing conditions and supports, but actually looking at what we might need to add to the school systems to make sure that they can focus on wellbeing, that they can help children to support their social relationships. One of the things that's often evident to me when I do assessments of young people is that schools are uniquely placed to identify social challenges and learning challenges early and to provide supports around that. Uh, they have access to a part of children's lives that even their parents don't. So I do think that their role is essential, but I also think that they need support in order to achieve the goals that the strategy outlines. Another thing that you've spoken about is that parents can feel that if they're engaging in treatment for their child's mental health that they could end up being blamed uh, for the situation. So what are some of the strategies that you use to make it clear that that's not the intention of the engagement? I often say to parents that I have some expertise in mental health, having done this for quite some time now, but they're the experts in their children. And our job is to work collaboratively so that we can try and create a mutual and supportive plan to support their child, to support their family system. We need to honour the expertise that parents have in their children to understand that there are many aspects of their lives that you don't see in that brief hour that you might see them each week in the treatment room. And so to really understand and support that, I think is one way that we can help to support parents to realise that it's not about blame. It's about working together to get good outcomes. Associate Professor Sheen, thank you so much for your time. That's fine. Thank you so much, Francine. The 
Materium is brought to you by the reporters at the Medical Republic. Production assistance, the music and artwork for the show is produced by Victoria Nelson. Catch you next time.